have your Bibles this morning, please turn with me to Psalm 119. And our verses this morning are 73 through 80. Psalm 119, verses 73 through 80. And hear the word of the Lord. The psalmist says, Your hands have made me and fashioned me. Give me understanding that I may learn your commandments. Those who fear you shall see me and rejoice, because I've hoped in your word. I know, O Lord, that your rules are righteous, and that in faithfulness you've afflicted me. Let your steadfast love comfort me according to your, to your promise to your servant. Let your mercy come to me that I may live. For your law is my delight. The insolent be put to shame because they have wronged me with falsehood. As for me, I will meditate on your precepts. Let those who fear you turn to me that they may know your testimonies. May my heart be blameless in your statutes that I may, that I may not be put to shame. Amen. Now, New Testament, our reading for this morning is back to Romans, verses 8, I'm sorry, chapter 8, uh, verses 12 through 17, but I'm going to be honing in on verses 16 through 18 this morning. So let's begin chapter 8, um, beginning in verse 12. Paul's, uh, Paul says, so then, brothers, we're debtors not to the flesh to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you'll die, but if by the Spirit... You put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you've received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer, with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. May God bless the reading and the preaching of his word. Let's pray. Father in heaven, again, we are dependent upon you and that's why we pray and we pray a lot and we pray so much because we understand our need, Lord God. We understand our insufficiency. We understand your sufficiency, Lord God. You are all sufficient. So we do come before you and ask for your power to be poured out, Lord God, that you would be with each and every one of us. Please, Lord, penetrate the hard hearts, penetrate our minds, Lord, that tend to wander off, Lord God, to think about what's happening later on or tomorrow or next week. Keep us focused on Jesus Christ, the author and perfect of our faith. Let not Satan get a foothold, Lord God. But I pray that you would help us to be engaged in the message, Lord, this morning, learning and growing, being reminded of who we are in Jesus Christ and how we are to live accordingly. Be with me to bring forth your word in a plain way, Lord God, in a way that's very receptive, Lord God, in a way that's edifying, but mostly in a way that's honoring and truthful, Lord God. So I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. So let's go. So. I've titled this message is Deep Assurance and Three Privileges. My deep assurance is just kind of finishing up what we didn't get to get, get to last week. But man, chapter 8 of Romans, uh, by and large, talks about our assurance in Christ. If we are Christians, this is what belongs to you. So when you're feeling uh, distant from the Lord or you're wondering about your salvation and you want to test your salvation, go to Romans chapter 8. 
many places in Scripture we can go to. But Romans 8, Paul is just assuring and reassuring over and over again what we have in Jesus Christ. And we can't lose it because he's given it to us. But they're also markers, and they kind of show us um, where we're at in regards to our faith in Jesus Christ. So verse 16, we'll just dive right in. Uh, as we, we talked about adoption last week, Abba, Father. Then he says, the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we're children of God. What great assurance is that, that God has given us the Holy Spirit who dwells in us, and he works along with our spirit to give us assurance that you do belong to Jesus Christ. If he's converted you, if you've trusted in him, if you've put your hope in Christ Jesus, there's nothing that can separate you from that love. Amen? And praise God. And the Spirit is in us and testifies to that. So notice real quick the change. Remember last week we talked about the sons. I did a little um, portion of my sermon on what it means to be a son and sonship and so on and so forth. I digressed if you remember the digression from last week. Um, but that was again beautiful term for those who belong to the Lord that we're in Christ Jesus but it's also like a legal term. Remember the firstborn son gets the inheritance to give to the family and so on. But notice he changes from sons after we cry at Abba Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are now children of God. Isn't that beautiful? They're both beautiful. Don't get me wrong. Sons are amazing because we still belong to God as sons. Like, you know, sons and daughters, we belong to him. But now he includes all of us, all who believe. We are the children of God. So that's more familial. It's more emotional. It's a little, uh, it's just more expansive in terms of being family. We're in this together. We belong to each other even as we belong to him. And the Holy Spirit testifies to that. Holy Spirit, God the Spirit is amazing. He applies that salvation. This is what he does. He regenerates the heart, doesn't he? He's the one that makes us know, right? That moment somebody says, you know, you can hear the gospel a hundred times, but one, that, one time when, okay, it makes sense. You can know the Holy Spirit opened your spiritual eyes to see, unplugged those ears, took out that heart of stone and given you a heart of flesh. He regenerates the heart. He convicts and convinces sinners of our sin and our need for Christ. He renews our wills. He gives us the gift of faith and repentance. That's all the Holy Spirit does. He produces the fruit in us, right? The fruit of the Spirit. And we cultivate that fruit, now, right? That's, we're supposed to live in that manner, love, joy, peace, patience, gentleness, kindness. But that originates with the Spirit himself. But he also, and I think when he talks about bearing witness with our spirit, it's mainly, and I'm taking this, I'll just be very honest with you, from Martin Lloyd-Jones and others, um, in terms of, of, of the, our connection to the Holy Spirit, is that he seals us. He seals us, and, and that's what gives us that great assurance. It's authentic because uh, I think 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 1 says this, and it is God who establishes us with you in Christ and has anointed us and who has also put his seal on us and given us his spirit in our hearts as a guarantee. And that's what Paul's talking about here in Romans, that we have the Holy Spirit as that seal, right? That, that we were stamped with God. There's nothing that can remove that seal. Back in the day, you, you know what a seal was. It, it um, melted in wax, you would stamp that. So if it was a king or authority, that was authenticity, man. That meant that this is 
This is accurate. This is official. So like today you get something notarized or something is, is, you have that seal of approval, whatever. Whatever those things mean today. But nevertheless, that is the idea that it is official, that it's true, that you belong to that. So we are sealed with the Holy Spirit. That's assurance that we belong to God. But also, and this is less of what's in view here, but there's still the idea of, of being sealed like tightly to God. You know, like when you put a seal on something, you are binding that, right? So there's no leaks. So there's nothing's going to escape from that. It's sealed tight. He seals us tight in that way as well. Primarily talking about the authenticity, but there's also the, that aspect of two things being joined together, prevented from coming apart. If the Holy Spirit's in you, you're not going to lose that. There's not, you're not going to seep out away from God. That seal's not going to come off. We are in Christ. The Holy Spirit is in you. So how does the Holy Spirit testify with our spirit? In a lot of different ways, but, but even connected to our, to our text here, he reassures you that you belong to Jesus Christ. If you truly belong to Jesus Christ, he's going to reassure you in his way. So if you're converted, like all of us to believe in Christ, you know him, you know that you belong to Jesus Christ, you know that you're his, but man, sometimes don't you just doubt? I mean, just sometimes in those seasons when you go off the reservation, spiritually speaking, or you just feel so distant from the Lord, it's like, Lord, do I really... Am I, am I, I know I am, but am I really, it's that idea here that he works in us, the Holy Spirit's witness with our spirit, because you come to that place and say, no, no, I know I belong to you. No matter how deep your valley is, there's always going to be that point in time, no, no, I know what happened. I know who I was and what I was before Jesus Christ, and I know that love of Christ. See, that's that, our spirit and the Holy Spirit confirming that, reminding us through his word, reminding us to look back on all that God has done from us, for us, where he's taken us and where he has brought us in our salvation. We're given assurance and we cry out, Abba, Father, no matter how bad it gets. Right, Chuck? Amen. <laughs> Praise God, because we know how bad it can get at times. So that's that assurance. I'm just kind of cleaning up last week's message. The bulk of this week's message is, listen, man, not only do we have those assurances from the Holy Spirit, but we're also assured because we, ha- we share in certain privileges. Paul mentions three privileges here that we share in, along with Jesus Christ, our Savior, that assure us that we belong to him if they're present. So this is also a good way to measure, man. Am I in the Lord? Or have I been fooling myself all these years or, or for this long a time? That's dicey if you're not in Christ. But if you're in Christ, and this is true of you, you're like, yes, I am assured of my salvation. Just another assurance. Because we doubt so much, we're so fickle, we're so, you know, we're always wondering, you know what we're like. So he knows that, and he gives us assurances. Three privileges that we partake in that show that we belong to Christ. They give us assurance of that fact that we belong to him. And the same three things belong to Christ. So it speaks of our union to Jesus Christ. We're united to Christ, we share in these things with him. So Paul goes on to say, The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we're children of God. And if children, and we are, that's what it is, if children, then we are heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ. So we're heirs with Christ. Secondly, he goes on, provided that we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. So there's the heir with Christ, suffering with and for Christ, and being glorified with Christ. Three, three privileges that assure us of our salvation. So number one, real quick, we'll take them. Heirs with Christ. We are co-heirs with Christ. Do you understand that? 
What belongs to Jesus Christ belongs to us. So when you think about being heirs of the kingdom of God, I know we want to think about when that is fully realized at the consummation, everything will belong to us, and you know we'll, we'll partake in all, all those privileges of the, of, the, of the future, the consummation, new heavens and new earth. And that is all true, and we're heirs with Christ in that. But it's not just, it's, it's the already and the not yet, right? There's the fullness of the consummation where fully realize all that we've inherited in Christ. But right now, right now, we are heirs of Christ and we are given all the benefits that Christ won for us on the cross and through his life, death, and resurrection. And they're given to us as we believe in him. We're heirs of the kingdom. All the benefits of Jesus Christ belong to us as Christians. Do you know that? Do you know that that inherit? If you inherit a house and you're the sole person that it's given to you also get everything in that house so you have the big house but you also have the stove and you have the fridge and you have everything that comes with that you have those things the individual items as well in our relationship with christ we have even now we're heirs with christ we're in possession of certain things that christ has given to us that christ also had so for instance what do we have as Christians that the rest of the world doesn't have because of Jesus Christ and we're in him? Because we've inherit, inherited it and it's ours. Well, we have a relationship with God, don't we? Amen and praise God. What non-believer do you know has a genuine relationship with the God of this universe? See, in Jesus Christ, we do. And that's part of that, just like Christ had as part of the God, had the relationship with the Father and the Spirit, we have relationship with God himself. Do you understand that? We have access. We have the knowledge of God that's been given to us. So we see things through scriptural lens. We see things as God would have us see them, as they truly are. Do you know that your inheritance? Do you know that's been given to you in Christ? Do you know that you have that purpose we have as Christians? What's our chief end? To glorify God and enjoy him forever. You know your catechism. I saw that little boy speak up. At least the dad was saying, you know that one. <laughs> Amen. Praise God. That's what we have. That's part of our inheritance right now. We have the power of God to, to live for him and through him. That's what Christ did. So that is part of our inheritance. Understand that. It belongs to you as a Christian. Also, what else about Jesus and that idea of being co-heirs with Christ? Right now, even now, we've inherited the life-saving message of the gospel. It's not only ours to believe, it absolutely is ours to believe, but it's ours to share. It's ours to give away. It's ours to proclaim. That's part of our inheritance in Christ. You have received the message of the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ that belongs to us. We need to go out and do what we're called to do. Jesus, in Mark chapter 1, verse 14 and 15. Now, after John was arrested, Jesus came into Galilee proclaiming the gospel of God and saying the time is fulfilled, the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe on the gospel. We've inherited that from Christ Jesus, all those benefits of the gospel and the proclamation thereof. That belongs to you. That belongs to us, and we need to be proclaiming it. What else have we inherited if you think about this? All this is a part of our assurance. So if you love God, you could be assured that you're saved. If you love to tell people about Jesus, even if you're afraid, you know that you have salvation. We've also inherited the kingdom. The kingdom, not fully, but we've been given dominion, right? We've been given work to do as Christians. What are we to do as Christians? What have we inherited? We're to go about doing good. We proclaim the gospel, but we do good in the name of Jesus Christ. 
We feed the hungry, we clothe the naked, we help the poor, and all the implications of that, we are concerned with true justice, true righteousness, true impartiality. Micah 6.8, he's told you, oh man, what is good, what does the Lord require of you, but to do justice, to love kindness, and to walk humbly with your God, amen? We have inherited this. We have a mandate from God. He's given us dominion. That's part of our inheritance right now. How are we living that out? So if you are concerned about the way things are in the world, if you are concerned not just preaching the gospel, but in the name of Christ, serving others, doing what we're called to do, that shows that you're living out that inheritance. That's assurance that you're saved in Christ. Do you understand? That's our co-heirs with Christ. The kingdom belongs to us. It's not just the consummation. It is that. But it's right now as well. We've been given the means. We've inherited the means to, and the resources to live as Christians in this world. We can go through passage after passage. Next week, I'm going to be preaching on the armor of God. So we've been given that. Do you understand? You've inherited that. The sword of the Spirit, the belt of truth, breastplate of righteousness, helmet of salvation. That belongs to you. That belongs to us. That's part of our inheritance to live as Christians in this world as we ought to. We share in that. Christ went with those things when he proclaimed the gospel. Christ was preaching the kingdom. That's what we have. All that Christ won, we partake in, belongs to us. Amen? Is that amazing? Does that blow you away? That should blow you away. The privilege of being joint heirs with Jesus Christ, not just in the consummation, but even now. That's it. You can know. He goes on to say this. Provided. And this is going to be a test for us. Because when he says provided, it's kind of conditional in a way. Look, you're an heir of Christ if you do these things. But also, and it's a big deal, that we suffer with him. Let's just stop right there. That we suffer with him. Now, right away, when I say that, suffer, suffer, suffer. That is so counterintuitive to us, isn't it? It just is, as human beings, our human nature. What do we, the last thing we want to do is what? The last thing we want to do is suffer. We're trying to live this life to figure out how we can avoid suffering so much in, in every single way. So when you hear this, it's just like, oh, to suffer with them? You know, we, we, we want to avoid pain. We want to avoid suffering. Who wants to suffer financially, man, and just be broke all the time? That's no fun if you're there. Who wants to suffer physically, and you're just always messed up, and you're dealing with illness and, and going on all the time? We, we want to avoid that kind of suffering and pain. Who wants to, to have that emotional suffering and the difficulties? Who wants to be, you know, estranged from family members and have discord in that way? So, so we do everything we can to avoid kind of suffering in a way, and we try to make it better and we'll, won't do certain things and we'll compromise here and do, do other things there. But see, as a Christian, we're told that, that we are to, provided that we suffer for him. So as you suffer for God's sake, for being a Christian, then that's, that's a hallmark that shows that you're willing to suffer for Christ just like Jesus suffered for us. He set the example for that. So that's a, that's a real big deal. That's a real hallmark is, is, is that willingness to, to, it, it shows that, we're, that we truly believe in Jesus, that we love him more than ourselves and our comfort and the comforts of this life. No matter how much we want the comforts of this life, no matter how much we don't want to suffer, when we're willing to suffer for Christ's sake. And, and we're in the midst of suffering, that we suffer well for Christ's sake. That finds favor with God. So it's not just suffering, you know, 
I'm going to do this and get in trouble and just kind of bear with it. But suffering well, even in the midst of that, whether it be uh, outward because of our faith or even affliction that we, that we incur, how do we suffer in that way? But, but for the most part here, the idea is like being a Christian in a world that doesn't love Jesus Christ. And if you're a consistent Christian, there's going to be a lot of pushback. That's the idea here. And that's how you can know that you belong in Christ if you're willing to suffer for him. And, and suffer well, not just endure, but I know this is going to be hard to say, and to almost count as a privilege, because that's what Scripture teaches. And I don't want to sound haughty, because I don't want to see any of you ever suffer in a, in a way, and I don't necessarily want to suffer. But if it comes to that, and we go through it well, and count as a privilege, instead of something we just endure, that shows our depth of dependence on our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And our witness is so strong. The strongest martyrs' witnesses are those ones who were being burned at the stake and were praying for the ones who were burning them at the stake. So, Acts chapter 5, verse 41. And, and our suffering, right before I get to that, our suffering um, ranges from being disparaged as Christians all the way to death, everything in between that as well. It confirms our faith and his faithfulness to us. So in Acts 5.41, after they had been arrested and set free, they, they left the presence of the council after they were before the council saying, you know, we have to preach Christ. We're going to obey man rather, rather God rather than man. So then they left the presence of the council. What were they doing? Rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer dishonor for his name. Counterintuitive. But that's... That needs to be our spirit. And if that's your spirit, you can be sure that you're saved in Jesus Christ. Uh, Philippians 1.29. For it has been granted to you that for the sake of Christ, you should not only believe in him, amen, we believe we have salvation, but that you should also suffer for his sake, for Christ. 2 Timothy 3.12. Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ, Jesus will be persecuted. If you, if you desire, if you're going to just say, I'm going to be faithful to Jesus, come what may, you can expect pushback from a world that hates Jesus Christ. 1 Peter 4, 12 and 13. Beloved, don't be surprised. See, I think we're going to be very surprised, or many of us will be surprised, because we're not used to this. In our context, this idea is so foreign to us um, of, of being persecuted in this way that, that we're going to be surprised. I'm not used to this. I'm used to going to the mall and, and going shopping and stuff. I'm not used to, to being restricted in this way. I'm not used to, to them having taken my freedoms away in this way. I'm not used to that. None of us are used to that. But he's, Peter says, don't be surprised right, when this happens, when the fiery trial, when it comes to you to test you as though something strange was happening to you. We're going to think it's very strange. You know, what, why are these people doing this to me? I'm just telling them the truth. Don't they see that I love them? Don't they see that I care for them? And yet they hate me and they're despising me and they're getting me fired from my job and they're throwing me in jail. Don't be surprised or think of it something strange. Why is this happening to me? But rejoice, and there's that rejoicing, insofar as you share Christ's sufferings, that you may also rejoice and be glad when his glory is revealed. And there's the glory we're going to be talking about in just a minute. Do you understand? This is so foreign to our thinking. And I'm speaking from my experience, too, just as Christians in this, in this land. And, and we need to be ready 
to have this mentality and this attitude. And as we do, that's assurance of our salvation. Now listen, we do not go looking for it. That's a big deal. Don't go looking like, oh, I'm going to go out and look for this and be a loud mouth and obnoxious and rude or something like that. Don't go out being with a haughty attitude, a martyr's attitude. I'm ready to be martyred. That's not what he's saying here. All, all it means is, is all he asks is that we live faithfully, fully resolved to live our lives for Christ in a consistent way with our calling in Christ Jesus. At times, that's going to be enough to bring hostility on. And that's the only thing that should bring hostility on. If you're living fully for Jesus Christ and resolved, not going out with this, you know, martyr's mentality and I'm ready for this, I'm going to do that. No, in a haughty way. No, like, you know, making people want to come up and slap you in the face because of your attitude. That's wrong. <laughs> but if people come and slap you in the face because you're sharing the love of Christ with them, then that's right, okay? You understand? Do you see the difference? That, that's a big deal. It doesn't mean also being apprehensive. Which one of us wants to suffer for real? Do you really want to? I mean, it's a little scary to think about the prospect of everything that we have in life as we've known it being kind of changed and taken away from us, right? So, so, so it's, there's nothing wrong with being apprehensive. There's nothing wrong with being reluctant. Now, I don't want to, you know, I'm, I know what the Word says and, and I pray that we'll be faithful if and when the time comes, but I'm like not looking forward to marching in and saying, I'm ready, you know, give me what you got. You really want that? I'll talk to some of our brothers and sisters in Russia or North Korea. You know, that's doesn't mean we're not hesitant. Man, is this I'm hesitant. I'm this is for real now, you know. I all that's okay. All that's okay. Being frightened even to a degree. But if you're absolutely unwilling, if you're absolutely unwilling to suffer for Jesus Christ, that's a different story. Now you're, now you're the place where you need to examine your faith. If you say, no, it's not worth it. It's not, look, man, I didn't sign up for this. I like the Christianity when I go to church and everybody's singing and everybody's joyful and we have our little groups and we do our little things and that's fine and that's wonderful, but I did not sign up for this. I didn't think I could be treated this way. I didn't know it would cost me relationship with my family. I didn't know it would cost me my job. I didn't say, no, if you're there, then that's a different story. That's not what Paul's talking about here. If you crumble when the pressure's on, without remorse or repentance, let me qualify that a little bit. Peter crumbled when the pressure was on, but he, re- he was remorseful and he repented. If you crumble without remorse or repentance, that's another story. The pressure's on, and the pressure's coming for you, I have to tell you, and you're going to hear this in the next few weeks, the pressure is on us. It's on you. You can't escape. Not now. Is that, it's all over the place. What about the professing... It's all over the place. The professing Christian, the baseball player, who, who passed on a tweet that was kind of just positive about, I forget what the tweet was, but it was against kind of the transgender movement type thing. It was a pretty innocuous tweet. He just passed on. And the, and, and, and the pride patrol was on him in a moment. All kinds of pressure, letters, whatever they were sending to him. What did he do the next day? The professing Christian the next day comes out and fully apologizes, you know, in sackcloth and ashes to, to this group and just says, you know, I'm so sorry. I'm, I'm going to take the sensitivity course. I'm just going to take the sensitivity classes. Listen, you counted the cost, and it wasn't worth it. That's when you're in trouble. Don't worry, don't worry about being apprehensive, reluctant, hesitant, even frightened, but do not crumble. Be unwilling 
to, to, to give in. To Because so many are going to say, you know what, it's, it's not worth my job. It's not worth my reputation. It's, I'm going to play it a little bit safe. You can't play it safe. There's no safe right now. There's, no, there's never been safe. But right now especially, it's one or the other, right? You're going to serve him or you're not going to serve him. You're with him or you're against him. We are. That's what he's saying, to suffer with him. There's a different time we're living in right now. We need to be and have the mentality of Jim Elliott. Remember the uh, missionary to the Ak Indians who was actually killed by the Ak Indians, those he was ministering to, those whom he loved. Later on, his wife and others went and ministered to that tribe. They became Christian. But Jim Elliott was martyred by them. And his famous quote, obviously before he died, is this, and this should be our quote. He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. What's he talking about? You're not a fool to give what you can't keep. You can't keep your life, right? You can't, you can't, it's in God's hand. That, you're going to lose it. You're not a fool to give that away for the sake of Christ to gain what you cannot lose. What can't you lose? The kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of God, what Paul was talking about right here, our glory in the Lord Jesus Christ, amen? And he lived that out. <laughs> Being brave, man, be strong, be courageous on the way to glory. If you're willing to suffer loss for righteousness' sake, then you know that you belong to Christ. Nothing, because nothing is more important to you, nothing is worth as much to you as Jesus Christ. Nothing's more important or worth too much to be unwilling to suffer for Jesus Christ. He goes on to say, and this is connected with the suffering, what goes right into the glory. He says, look, how can you know? Here's the assurance we have. If you're ready to do these things, we're heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him, in order that we may, may, may be glorified with him. And there's, the, there's that hope, the glory of Christ. Uh, John 17, 1, Jesus says, when Jesus spoke these words, his high priestly prayer, he lifted up his eyes to heaven and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son. Let your son may glorify you. Hebrews 12, 2. Looking to, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and seated at the right hand of, at the, of the throne of God. So he looked for it. He knew the glory that was to come after he suffered for our sake. Listen, we don't suffer. So we get into glory. You don't suffer so you get into glory. It's not like, oh, I'm going to suffer. I hope I suffer enough, and then God's going to bring me into glory. We don't suffer. No, no, no. You're already in glory. Glory is already yours if you're in Jesus Christ. It's our suffering that prepares us for glory. That gives us the eternal weight of glory. Your willingness to live for Christ now, coming into glory unashamed before his presence. That's what prepares us for him. Verse 18 in Romans, uh, Romans 8, for I considering the sufferings of this present time are not worthy of comparing with the glory that's being re- going to be revealed to us. That's what it's something we suffer in that way. You don't suffer so, well, now I'm suffering, I got heaven. No, you got heaven, so you suffer. And then the, the more you suffer Christ, that weight of glory is given to you. If you're completely unwilling, right, if you kind of back off and back away, it's most likely a sure sign that you're not in Jesus Christ. That's a big deal. It is a big deal. That willingness, suffer, faith, suffering, glory, all go together very much. And, and the suffering part is the counterintuitive part, which we don't like, but that goes so, goes so much into who we are as Christians living in a fallen world, right? When you're standing up for your faith in that way. Um, Luke 24, 26 and 27, Jesus said, was it not necessary that Christ should suffer these things? I suffered these things. I had to suffer these things. 
and enter into his glory. Beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them all the scriptures, the things concerning himself. The suffer that he would go through as he was entering into glory. Jesus has conquered his and our enemies. He is king. And no amount of suffering on our behalf will change that fact. You understand? He is conquered. So it doesn't matter how much you suffer for Jesus Christ, how much he try to make you deny. Nothing. If you stay for, nothing's going to separate us from that love. No amount of suffering on our behalf is going to change the fact that Christ has conquered his enemies and our enemies. Amen? So don't give in and don't give up. The body they may kill, God's truth abideth still. Amen? 2 Corinthians 4.17 is preparing a weight of glory for this light momentary affliction. That's what he compares all our sufferings for Christ to. A light momentary affliction. So light and suffering compared to the glory that we're going to have in the Lord. Light and momentary for this time. It might be months, it might be years, but we have eternity of glory. That's what he's saying here. That weight of glory. And we go in to the Lord. Philippians chapter 3, and I'm going to read verses 7 through 11. You may turn with me if you'd like, but listen to Paul. uh, Chapter 3 of Philippians, beginning in verse 7. Paul says, Whatever I have gained, I count it as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake, I have suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish. See, could you do that, man? If you have everything, everything that you have, Paul, all the accolades, all the, the accommodation that he was, a theologian that he was, the accolades that he had, the people that loved, everything, the, the, the wealth that would come along with everything, he was willing to say, no, that's garbage. All of that compared to, you could have it all. You could have all this world, but give me Jesus. Can you say that? Man, could you do that? Which is a more important question. Are you willing to suffer the loss of all things for the sake of Christ. goes on to say, I've suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes through the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ Jesus, the righteousness which comes from God that depends on faith, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection, that I may share his sufferings, becoming like him in his death that by any means possible I may attain the resurrection from the dead, that I may be like him, share in his sufferings. Are you willing to do that? Make the most of your life. Make the most of this life for Christ Jesus. It's a privilege. We've inherited the kingdom. All the benefits belong to us right now. Do you understand? coming to the end of this message and I just want to make application right now to where we're at in relationship to this text. There has been no time in our lifetime, for those of us in this room for sure, where we will, and I'm not saying may, where we will be called upon to make decisions that will cost us. It's going to cost you if you're faithful, if you're faithful to Christ. It's an all-out offensive on the kingdom of God right now. It's always an offense, offensive against the kingdom of God. It's an all-out offensive against the kingdom of God right now in our situation right now. And in a way, we're very privileged to live at this time because we have a real opportunity to demonstrate and exercise our faith no matter how costly that'll be. It's kind of exciting in one way, terrifying in another way, but true nonetheless. Right now, for us, secular humanism, 
Secular humanism, not Christian ethos reigns right now at this time. That's what's ruling and reigning at this particular time. You guys are asking me, why, why does our government seem to be more and more socialistic or even Marxist? Do you trust? Do you have any trust in the integrity of our political system right now? Tough. Our federal authorities, local leaders, the laws, partiality, policies. Back in the day, they would call what's happening here in the United States a banana republic. No borders, lawlessness, corruption. That's secular humanism. And it's very spiritual. It's very anti-God. And that's what the context, whether you like it or not, our representative republic right now is waning. Again, God could change it all around. But I just want to set the context for you in what we're talking about in terms of our suffering to come. Because at heart, it's anti-God. It's not just anti-American and American values. It's anti-God. They hate the God of the Bible. That's secular humanism. That's a whole idea of replacing God with man. Capish? Big deal. That's where we're at right now. LGBTQ issues. Inescapable. Inescapable. Deeply spiritual. Deeply spiritual. There were a few of us at the Pride Festival yesterday, as I mentioned earlier. You walk around, you see all the, the tents, so many of them, so many of them, new age. Come and get your fortune told. Come and find out what, what you know, the future holds for you. Liberal. Progressives. I talked to a pastor yesterday walking around with a garb on. I said, oh, you're a pastor. He said, oh, yeah, I'm a pastor. We talked. Nicest guy in the world. I really like I gave him my card. Hopefully he'll call me. And, and, and I did like him, genuinely. But when we started talking about the scriptures, he had no answer. He was proud of the fact that he was the first black, gay, openly homosexual pastor in this particular domination, married with five kids. Just proud of the fact. And then again, it was a friendly, but see, this is where we find ourselves. We talked to the Satanists who were there yesterday. And it's, forget about the ideology. Underneath that, it's very spiritual. Understand? It's a spiritual battle that we're fighting. And they hate Christianity. Christianity, they hate what we believe. And they're gaining more and more prominence. You understand? This is, this is where some of you guys said it feels like a tidal wave. Okay, that's, that's pretty apt. I would say maybe a tsunami at this point. CRT, critical race theory. You think you're going to get away from that? See, this is the application of this text in our day and age. And we're going to be called to suffer for Christ by just being Christians. Are you willing to do that? CRT, deeply embedded in our society. DEI programs, diversity, equity, and inclusion everywhere. It's not simply an ideology, but it's a theology. It is deeply spiritual. It's deeply spiritual. Patricia Colors, Alicia Garza, the founders of Black Lives Matter, go read the biography. You'll see how spiritual it really is. Right out of African spiritualist, spiritualism. All of this. See, it's a spiritual battle, folks. Don't think you'd be a little Christian in your corner and just have our church in our corner and our little Bible studies. It's a spiritual battle where we need to be active on the field, in the world, where you work, where you live, where we operate. Because all of these 
the common denominator with all of these. And that's why there's so much acceptance between all of these. That's why like, uh, the feminists will, will, will tolerate the transgenders for the most part, or that's changing a little bit, because it's not just about the ideology. It's about the theology. And the common denominator is that they hate. They hate. And they despise biblical Christianity. And they see it as the root of the problem. Now, do I need to tell you what that means? Do I need to tell you what the implications are? The fact is, between the three of these, and there are other strands and other, um, other areas that flow into this, the fact is, between the three of these, you cannot escape. You're going to be faced with decisions because of your faith in Jesus Christ. That's it. You're going to be faced with decisions. That will cost you. The question is, are you going to stand? Are you just going to compromise a little bit here and a little bit there? You know, we have this idea, well, if they come with a gun to my face and say, do you believe in Jesus Christ, yes or no? Well, I won't deny Christ then. That's the easy, that's easy to do. It's hard to every day not compromise your faith with everything we're being told we need to compromise with in this world. Do you understand that? I'm going to not send my child to that school because of how deeply infiltrated it's been by CRT, LGBTQ. That's a, that's a deal. That's a deal for, well, it's just going to school. Everybody goes to school. The kids go to school. They need to go to school. They need to be socialized. Well, it's my job, you know, and I'll, all I have to do is sign this form that I'll, that I'll say the pronouns. I'll say the pronouns. That's not a big pronoun. Who cares? I don't really care about Right, see? If they come with a gun to my head, I won't deny Christ. But inch by inch, I'm going to deny Christ by little compromise. That's the compromise. Whenever we give in to the worldly system that causes us to deny our faith, to go counter to what the Bible actually teaches. You understand that? This is a big deal for us right now, and we need to be prepared for this. It's everywhere. Retail, you know this. Big business, corporations, food industry, sports, education, entertainment, social media, newsrooms, courts, hospitals, town square, in our own families, among our friends. And it's a decision, and this is the bottom line. That's supposed to be assurance kind of sermon, sorry. <laughs> but there is assurance if you're a Christian because you're going to be faithful. Amen? Decision, ultimately, every single decision here is either for or against Jesus Christ. It's nothing less than that. You need to know that this morning, and you need to understand that. Listen, it's daunting. It's daunting. On some levels, it's frightening. But you know what? It's an opportunity. It's an opportune time for us as Christians to finally get off our cans and begin to be Christians who are called to be, to be salt and light in this world, to pierce the darkness with the light and to stand up and say, no, God's word says, and you shall do this, and I will not do that. No, here is the truth, because that is what a dark, dying world needs to hear. Clearly proclaim the gospel. So as scary as it is, like I said earlier, in some ways, strangely, it's exciting because it's such an engaging time because there's such a contrast now, isn't there? Because now we can stand up and say no. We can stand up and point the light. Be a light in the midst of the darkness. Come what may to us. Unwavering when it comes to his truth. I'm not going to back down and I'm not going to say yes to what I know the answer is no to. And I'm not going to say no to what I know the answer is yes to from God's word. Are you brave in that way? Are you bold in that way? Are you willing? 
We're always willing till it comes to us and our convenience and our lives. And then, oh, maybe not so much. I can't lose that relationship in my life. It's more important. Unwavering when it comes to truth. Because we are the hope in a lost world. And these will not prevail. All the secular humanism. LGBTQ, CRT, whatever else is out there that is against the kingdom of God will not prevail because Jesus Christ is king. And we stand with him. And we have the honor of preaching the gospel and the privilege of suffering for him that we may enter, enter into glory, being a stalwart of his truth in this world. Are you ready? Count the cost.